0: Go Steelers Say go Steelers. Go Steelers What's up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you from the Houston Outpost. The week of the Super Bowl, Steelmen aren't playing in it, Kansas City Chiefs are, also the Philadelphia Eagles are playing in this thing. Papa Tom, he's in some work meetings right now, and we are dedicated to getting these things out in a more timely manner here. So I'm going to hit this express episode by myself here to get out a few thoughts about the Super Bowl and about Mike Tomlin coming onto a bunch of offensive linemen at the Senior Bowl. I don't know, is it the Senior Bowl? Is it the East-West Shrine game? What's going to be the next big dog in town? Seems like NFL's putting their money behind the East-West Shrine game. But right now, Talman's still digging the Senior Bowl, where the Steelers have acquired such stars as Javon Hargrave, who unfortunately is now a star in the Super Bowl for the wrong side of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Alex Highsmith, another stud from the Senior Bowl. I digress. We're gonna do the annual off season. Who is Mike Tomlin telling you the Steelers are gonna draft game? We're gonna do that this season. I was talking to cousin P Butch earlier in the off season, and if by off season I mean earlier this week, and I think he outlined it perfectly. Basically, off season comes around. Mike Tomlin, a bunch of pictures taken of him at scouting events, whether it be the combine or pro days. And he makes it pretty abundantly obvious with his eyes which player the Steelers are going to pick, like he did with Najee Harris and Mason Rudolph with those hilarious you know, semi-innuendo-filled photographs of him. And then he comes to the podium, and he says, Hello, good afternoon, everybody. We're looking forward to the draft in three months. We will be drafting Najee Harris. I'll open it up for questions at this time. Coach, are you... Saying that you want to draft a player like Najee Harris or perhaps a running back? We will be drafting Najee Harris. Uh, Please, nobody take him in front of us because that's the guy who we want to pick. Thank you. No further questions at this time. So I'm expecting that the Steelers are going to draft an offensive lineman in the first round and also two times in the second round based on him ogling these guys at the senior bowl. Uh, I'm half kidding. I think it is fun to look and see if we can put together clues about who the Steelers are going to take. And I think there are an abundance of those types of clues every year. Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot has done a great job of outlining those criteria over the years. For instance, generally, if they're making a first-round pick, it has to be from a Power 5 school. They have to have been at the players pro day, and they're not going to do it for a West Coast player. They never really draft West Coast in the first round because I guess they like... Um, to have a lot more connections with the school and a lot more read on who the player is. They just mentioned, I think uh, either Tom and Rooney mentioned a week or two ago that they already knew a lot about Kenny from years before the draft because they're keeping an eye on him. And obviously it's pretty easy to talk to people in his camp. So in that way, if you take all those criteria and then if you match that up with another clue that has become sort of a staple of the Steelers offseason, which is Art Rooney's Art Rooney II's press conference after the year-end wrap-up, usually he says something in that that will tip you off to where the Steelers want to go. We need a better pass rush. He said that for a while. The Steelers took a bunch of edge rushers over the course of a few years with Jarvis and Bud and then TJ. Or he said the Steelers need to get back to running the ball. And then I guess the Steelers thought that running back is the way to do that, not offensive lines that drafted Najee Harris. What a spectacular bounce back uh, second half of the season after we recover from the list, Frank. And yeah, anyway, so he does give you some clues that way. I don't think he gave us that many this year in particular. And also I'm wondering how ironclad those clues will be this year given the fact that Eric Weidel and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've heard it pronounced multiple ways. It's messing me up. But Weddle Weidel from the front office and Omar Khan are now running the show in Pittsburgh. Maybe some of those trends get bucked. Maybe they can draft a player like the Oregon cornerback in the first round, somebody from the West coast. We'll see. So this year will be interesting to find out from that perspective. And I think we've been pretty steadfast on the podcast all year with our draft desires. We want an offensive lineman, regardless of position in the first round, even if that lineman may be considered a quote unquote reach prospect like a Creed Humphrey was a couple years ago, in the sense that there's a lot of people who want to write revisionist history. Hey, the Steelers should have taken that guy. He's amazing. There's not a single person on the earth, including all of the NFL teams who had him as a first-round prospect. He was this weirdly slated, well, not weirdly slated player. He was just very firmly slated as a second, third-round player. It was, hey, this guy might not be a superstar. Obviously, we're all wrong about that. But this guy is a slam-dunk draft uh, draftable prospect for the first couple rounds after the first round like th- this is a very safe prospect. And so I think even a guy like that the Steelers should prioritize in the first round even if it doesn't even if the guy doesn't have the super elite athletic qualities that the Steelers look for in a first round pick. By the way, there you go. There's another one of those indicators. Usually a Steelers first-round pick has to test off the charts because they like freaky athletes in Pittsburgh. Now, they can't take a risk in the first round on a lineman who is an experimental late-round pick. Let's say, you know, Artie Burns would be the best example of that. Even Terrell Edmonds, that turned out well. Terrell turned out well, but... Those were, hey, there's really not a lot of college production. I mean, I guess Artie had one year, we had a lot of picks. But this player is universally considered to be extremely raw. And the only reason why we're talking about this player getting drafted so high is because his athletic talent is so incredible. We're hoping we can bring it out of him. Please do not do that, Steelers. That's what we have been standing steadfast on. Don't do that. You know why? Because those guys are bad. And we need good players. The Steelers, (laughs) it was a great tradition. You got Hall of Famers. You got great jerseys. You have a dwindling home field advantage, but a home field advantage that still remains and that has hopes for a day when normal people can afford tickets to the stadium so that they can fill it up. Because I just saw a replay of a Steelers 2008 game against the Ravens and the entire stadium is filled. You don't see any empty seats. And I thought, holy crap. I didn't think that's how Steelers games were. Well, the Steelers have a lot. Imagine what they would do with more good players. That's the kind of guy we want to take, right? A good guy. So we were saying we want offensive line regardless of position in the first round, potentially even the first two rounds, because aside from James Daniel, who, thank goodness, established himself over the second half of the season, once again, great second half of the year to the Steelers this year, he established himself as, okay, this is a bona fide starting guard. Thank goodness we paid this dude some money in free agency. He's very young. He was targeted as being a cornerstone piece for the line. It looks like he is going to be that. Other than him, any player on that line can be upgraded. Sure, they did play well throughout the course of the year, but nobody else played well enough to warrant like invincibility in terms of being replaced. Like you could replace any of those guys and then turn Mason Cole into your backup center or your swing center guard. And then you'd feel really good because we know that backup lineman position is going to be critical. And that's why I think the Steelers are in a really advantageous position because it's not like you need an edge rusher really badly, which is a really specific position. And you're really rolling the dice on those guys working or not working. You could take any offensive lineman and your line is going to be better. And I think that the line needs to be much better considering the fact that they were fine, but if the Steelers want to build their team in the way that it looks like they want to build it, which is, hey, you're not allowed to shut people down on defense anymore because you're not allowed to hit people, but... We can have incredible edge rushers and safeties, and maybe they do take a corner high, and we're going to force turnovers because that's kind of the way of the modern NFL, and we're going to be fast. We're going to be fast as hell. We're going to run when the other team is running, but we're going to run faster, and we're going to get where they're trying to go, and then we're going to be as violent as possible within the rules to hopefully create some chaos, right? It's not like we can deter people from going across the middle by hitting them. Because once again, you are not allowed to do that anymore. But make a really fast defense and then make a, a running offense that, that, that kind of centers around a power running game. And then hopefully they add the other part of what every real successful, hey, play defense and run the ball offense does in this modern NFL, which is throwing deep balls. It's, think of the Titans a few years ago. Like you, you run, 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 and then you fake it. And when you throw it, you throw it deep. And obviously you couldn't be any worse than the Steelers are at throwing it deep. So we've got some work to do there. But what's going to help you do both of those things? A dominant offensive line. Can he pick it? What do you have? Nine touchdown passes this year? We don't care. We know he passed the eye test. There is a big question mark in terms of how big of a step does he take by the end by this time next year? I mean, obviously, I'm not expecting him to come out week one, two, and three and just throw three touchdowns every game. But it is fair to assume that by this time next year, it should be a hard yes or hard no. Or it should be a, okay, we have Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and and then hopefully we're crossing our fingers that he gets even better. Or it's like, ah, damn it, we got Andy Dalton. I don't think Kenny will be Andy Dalton. Truly, don't. But you, you, you don't have Mahomes or Ben to save you from a bad offensive line. Like um, you don't have a physically dominant quarterback who's just going to be able to work around that. So you need to invest in the offensive line. You're not going to be able to make it all the way to the Super Bowl and beat the Cardinals because your defense kills people and your quarterback shrugs five defenders off per play and scrambles around and throws bombs. That's not going to, you're not going to be able to get away with that at this point. So that's why we think they really need to establish the line because also furthermore, with how well they ran the ball at the end of last year, they have something here that could actually turn elite, but you need to be overwhelmingly talented in these areas to become elite. When you had the killer bees, you had a consensus, top three, offensive line, you know, top three to five quarterback, best receiver, Are probably the best receiving group, arguably the best running back. It was an overwhelming amount of talent that let the Steelers win a ton of games, even while having one of the worst defenses in the league, right? If you bolster that line, you're going to have a much better chance at that. So that has been our thought process the entire season. And it still is, but there's a caveat because the Steelers somehow got the 32nd pick in the draft dropped into their lap by trading Chase Claypool. And that changes the game a little bit because the Steelers have their first round draft, basically two first rounders because the Dolphins no longer have a fir- one of their first round picks or a first round pick, whatever it is. There's only going to be 31 picks in the first round this year. The 32nd pick is becoming sort of the de facto, uh, you know, last pick of the first round. Lamar Jackson, right? So now you got three picks, early in the draft, within the first 60 or so, that gives you great f- flexibility. I know that the Steelers have their eyes on a cornerback corner back in the first round. If they took a truly great corner, like you got Witherspoon, you got the Oregon kid, you got Joey Porter Jr. If you take a great corner and you use those next two picks on an offensive lineman, or you use one of those next two picks on, on an offensive lineman, along with a priority free agency signing, I'm great with that. That's cool. Um, however, if you did what you did the Najee Harris year, and yes, I know, I'm glad we have Najee and Pat Fryermuth, but when there's a crying need for offensive line, you ignore it in the first round and in the second round, and then you're hoping that a third-round player, was it Kendrick Green that year, is going to perform for you, the Steelers don't have that luxury. They need to look at what happened when they were trying to preserve Ben's career. They got Bruce Arians and the chuck it, throw it deep, and if you go to the hospital... That just means you're more of a man. They got rid of that. They got Todd Haley in there so that they could have some nice infighting and borderline alcoholism. I guess that's from all the, all the offensive coordinators. And I do say that lovingly because they do seem like fun guys. <clears throat> they got Todd Haley in there, tried to teach Ben how to get the ball out quick. They succeeded, it took about two years. But what else did they do? I said, fine, fine. We'll take an offensive lineman in the first round. And then you guys are going to see what happens. Okay, so we got this Marquise Pounce. Ah, damn it. He's like the best center in the league already. He's a rookie. Mm, I guess that does work. And then he misses the Super Bowl. And BJ Raji ruins the Super Bowl. But he wouldn't have ruined it if Marquise Pouncey was in there. Okay, that's pretty cool. I guess we'll take this Pounce, or this DeCastro character who fell to like the 16th pick or whatever it is. And what does DeCastro do right when he gets in? That's right. He falls on Pouncey's leg and knocks Pouncey out for the season. And that sucked. But what happened after Pouncey recovered? Well, you had two perennial Pro Bowl offensive linemen. You did have arguably the best offensive line coach in the league, Mike Munchak. And the rising tide lifted all boats. The boats being other offensive linemen like, you know, Ramon Foster and Beecham and all the boys, all the boys throughout all the years, Marcus Gilbert and it just seemed like the Steelers, as long as they had that strong nucleus at offensive line, could plug in every, anybody else around them and, and keep rolling. But you do need to invest in the position. You can't just keep trying to get by in third and fourth. So as long as they invest in the position, it could be a combination of the first and second round pick. They could draft offensive linemen the first three picks of the, of, of the draft, and I'd be the happiest person on the earth. I don't care. They could do a corner. But as long as you're prioritizing that offensive lineman within those first two picks, I will... Uh, rage if it doesn't happen within the first two picks. Doesn't have to be the first one but as long as you're prioritizing it if there's a good free agency signing to be made awesome, I'll be happy. So anyways, those are just the early thoughts of of the draft while a lot of that stuff is starting to come together I guess I kind of went off on that for a while and didn't give myself that much time for a Super Bowl pick but look, I am only a Steelers fan and I hate all the rest of the teams I hate them all deeply but I do love football And I'm obsessed with it to a borderline humiliating degree. Can't stop thinking about it, talking about it, ingesting it. It's a bit of a way of life. It's the greatest thing in the world. And I only said I'm humiliated to try to make it seem like I'm more normal than I am. But in reality, I love it. It's great. So I appreciate the game. And I love watching Patrick Mahomes play football. If there's any team besides the Steelers that are easy to root for, I'm not saying I'm taking them on as a second team. I've always loved watching Rodgers and the Packers. Yes, I know he can be a douchebag sometimes. Not arguing that. But also, he can be cool sometimes. And people don't like to give him credit for that. And he's definitely cool in the football field because it is poetry in motion. And that's what Mahomes is like. Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid, the Chiefs, they got red uniforms. It's the most fun team to watch ever. It doesn't even compare. Well, to me, Killer B is, of course, number one. But besides that, it is such fun football to watch. It's like Steph Curry combined with LeBron James when you watch Mahomes because he's got this functional flashiness to his game where when he's throwing with his left hand or sidearm, there's a purpose to it. It's not just a showboaty thing. Sure, sometimes, okay, maybe he could have thrown overhand he throws a sidearm. It's the same thing to him. He's just feeling himself, right? It's just pretty. It's fun to watch. It's super explosive. The plays that Andy Reid designs are are it's fun to watch all the crazy motions and the wild shovel passes. They're just a fun, awesome team. And I think that they're probably the most fun offensive team to watch in history. And I think that he's the best. I I think that it's crazy that we even talk about anything else. Like he's obviously the best quarterback we've ever seen. Right. I'm not talking about Tom Brady. Okay. What happens if you play for 22 years and you have great teams around you and you win super bowls and, And by the way, if anybody's insinuating, oh, Tom Brady, you know, he wouldn't have been great without the Patriots. That's ridiculous. I'm not saying that either. Tom Brady's unbelievable. But I'm not just talking about longevity and championships, which are a team stat, because if you don't think that's true, then, you know, Tom, I mean, he's not seven times better than Peyton Manning, who got lucky with his last Super Bowl win, right? Then Rodgers... Elway shouldn't have won any of them. I mean, he got carried to the last two and carried his team when he was a, like a sophomore year player. Awful team all the way to Super Bowl. He loses that, right? Like the Super Bowls are not just a measure, right? Of how good a player is. A lot of things come together for that. So how long will Mahomes' career last? We'll see. I hope a long time. But, but overall, we've never seen somebody dominate the way that he dominates the game. Ben, Russ, Brady, all these guys for their first Super Bowls and their first runs, They were very good quarterbacks, but they weren't the main story of their teams. The teams ran through the defense and then Brady, Ben and Russ made big plays for their offenses. And then they were incredibly clutch in big moments, but the team didn't run through them. The team has run through Patrick Mahomes since the day he stepped on a football field. So for that, I know how much the Super Bowls matter in terms of talking about the guy's greatness. So I want him to get that Super Bowl now so that people can recognize how great it is without, you know, taking away from it because all oh, the the team accomplishment of the Super Bowl isn't there. And then when I look at the Eagles, they're just an incredible team. They're built so well. I, I feel like if they win this Super Bowl, you gotta start talking about the Eagles in a different um a tier of franchise. I mean, even if the Super Bowl's close. But like I said, I know it's all based off if you win or lose the game, even if it's a coin flip, right? But this is the second Super Bowl they've made out in five or six years with, and they have like completely different teams. Like obviously they still have core players like Kelsey and Cox on each side of the ball, but these are totally different teams and they built them through the offensive lines and the defensive lines. And then they made key acquisitions to get the talent on the outside at cornerback and receiver, which is something you need. And then they developed a quarterback to, according to his strengths. He was a not considered a slam dunk first round pick. He's a second round guy. Sort of sounds a lot like what the Steelers are trying to build. So they're just a really cool look at football. And I guess if you look at both of those takes, I'm obsessed with the conversation about great teams and great players. I, not, it shouldn't be re- revolving around quarterback wins. Like obviously the quarterback has more of an effect on a win than any other player or coach on a team, but it's not everything, right? And I think that this Super Bowl is a great matchup of both. I think it relies 100% on Mahomes' ankle. How healthy is it going into the game? And can he remain healthy throughout the game? I think that if he's hobbled the way he was against the Bengals, where it seemed like he was avoiding scrambling out of the pocket in the first half wisely. And then when the game got close in the end, he said, I don't need this leg. I'm going to run. We need to make plays. I need to scramble out of the pocket, throw bombs. And it worked, but he looks sort of like Mega Man X out there where he has a certain amount of hit points that he can give, right? And every time you do a scramble and a throw, you lose one of those 10 hit points. And if you get all the way down to 10, your leg falls off and Chad Henney goes in and you lose the game, right? So hopefully he has 20 hit points to give during this Super Bowl because if he's hobbled, I do think it's going to be hard to outlast the Philadelphia Eagles who are better at every single position than the Chiefs except for quarterback and Travis Kelsey at tight end, right? But it's not like, but hey, Jalen Hurts and, and uh, why well, did I want to say Godecki? This is awful. I'm just totally blanking on the, on the tight end. Is it oh uh, Goddard? Yeah, Goddard. Uh, Hurts and Goddard are no slouches at quarterback and tight end either, but Philadelphia is better at every position. However, if Mahomes is at close to full strength, He's a level of quarterback right now. It reminds me of when Aaron Rodgers played the Steelers in the Super Bowl. There's just nothing you can do. And especially now when the rules protect them a lot more. If Mahomes can scramble around, I think that the Chiefs are so locked in. I think the embarrassing uh, choke job in last year's AFC Championship, combined with the unfortunate injury riddled loss to the Buccaneers in the year before, I think those actually took the pressure off of the Chiefs who when they won their first one, it sort of felt like, okay, they're going to win five in a row. It took the pressure off them. And it also put a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because obviously they're making up things that the media is saying about them, right? Like nobody believes in us or whatever. You have to do that. That's the Patriots, Tom Brady, classic mold. Great, use it. But I think even just internally, they have a sense of pride. They know how good they are. And they know that they could waste these opportunities. Like Kelsey's getting older, Reed's getting older. They got to take advantage. So I think they're in great position where if Mahomes is healthy, they have the experience in the Super Bowl that the Eagles do not have. They also have an offensive system in a pass game that the Eagles have not seen all year. I don't think that the Eagles are overrated in any way. I think they're awesome. But I can also say they haven't played a pass game that comes anything close to how complicated Andy Reid's pass game is let alone the fact that they haven't played a quarterback who's even a quarter of what Patrick Mahomes is. So while that could be thwarted by the Philadelphia almost all-time sack record defensive line just sacking Mahomes and not giving him time to throw, but I think Kansas City's offensive line is good enough not to get dominated, and Mahomes is great enough where like you, it's not about pass-rushing him. <laughs> The Bengals have shown it's not pass rush, it's that art of containing the guy and making sure when you run past him as a defensive end, like do not try to get the sack. J- just make sure that he doesn't break the pocket because if you go for the sack and you miss it, Mahomes is throwing a touchdown over you. So that's a different art rather than just getting after the passer. And I know the receivers are a big concern for for Kansas City and I almost feel stupid going into it and saying, look at all these injuries. And you would bet on the Chiefs. I just think that Mahomes, if he's at full strength, he can make, make this thing happen. So I'm hoping he does. I will go 27-24 Kansas City. But if the Eagles win, sweet. We got one of their GMs. He's going to make that the future, the near future in Pittsburgh, and we'll all be happy. All right, follow the podcast on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Email us at Outpost at gmail.com. Until next week. Go Steelmen. Okay, bye-bye.